and welcome to a brand new edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. Austin Huff with the Goshen News Sports Editor. Tony Miller joining me again. Second straight week. Sorry I dragged you out of your cave, Tony, to come do this. Are we talking about Mishawaka already? Yes, the cave. That's coming. Well, Mishawaka gets a lot of love in this podcast. They've been good at things recently. Yeah, primarily uh, wrestling and boys basketball. So they're getting votes in the 4A boys basketball poll, which is very hard to do given it's 4As loaded this year. So, um, yeah. So this is this is the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I don't think I said that. Um, Austin Huff, Tony Miller. We will talk about sports. Shocking. Uh, from the Goshen News coverage area. Shocking. Um, we will uh, also have a interview with Northwood Boys basketball coach Aaron Wolf later in the show. He... Uh, Took some time out of his Monday afternoon. We were it was in the middle of the Purdue Michigan State game, so he said like I'm just watching Purdue Michigan State right now. Um, so we were we speculated on who could win that game, and congrats, Purdue won. Yeah, that was the sort of game that looked like it had about four game winning baskets in it, and then the, I think I saw the last minute took like 20 minutes to play in yeah, real time. I saw a tweet about that. That's not fun. That's 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 stressful, but. Yeah, hey, good for Purdue. They're really good again, again yeah. this year. Meanwhile, IU is—they beat Wisconsin. Yeah, very little would surprise me with this IU team. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, okay, let's start. We had a big championship Saturday. Our first championship Saturday of the calendar year. Many more to come. Uh, we crowned NLC and NIC wrestling and girls swimming champions as well as NECC tournament basketball champions. So, we will cover all of those first. We had trophies being handed out left and right. We will start on the map wrestling uh, Northern Lakes Conference. Mishawaka, there's those cavemen. They won the NLC championship outright. They were 7-0 and in the duels, and then they won the tournament Saturday over at Goshen High School. But we had some good uh, performances from our coverage area, highlighted by senior Caden Lone from Northwood, winning his fourth straight NLC championship, 182 pounds. Beat Goshen's Leish Detweiler in the final. It was Detweiler's first loss of the year. The great thing about conference championship uh, wrestling matchups at this point in the year is, okay, somebody won, somebody's got to lose. But there's always a chance to get them back uh, later in the tournament. And the reality is you can get them back multiple times in the tournament since you have, like, multiple advancers from from sectional to regional. Oh, yeah. Like, afterwards, Lone was like, yeah, I know I'm going to see him again. It's like they're going to face each other in the sectional final probably. And they'll face each other in the regional and maybe again in semi-state as well. So they're definitely going to see each other sectional and regional. Um, Whether they see each other in semi-state, we'll see. Um, And then Calix Truex from Northwood, also individual champ at 120. Wawasee had the two lightweights, lightest weights, win. Caleb Salazar at 106. Cameron Center at 113. Salazar is very good. He yeah, has a chance to go to state. I was going to say, he's a lightweight in name only. Yeah, he's really good. Um, also a good baseball player, so be on the lookout for him in the spring. Um, 
He's he's he was he got the semi-state last year. Was a regional champion. Did not qualify for state. Um, it feels like this year he's he's kind of put it all together. I would be shocked. I think if he didn't make it, you never know. Wrestling's one of those weird sports. You get caught, you get pinned, it's over. So, and at, at semi-state, of course, everyone's good. So anyone wants yes. to beat anyone, really, when you get yeah. to that level. I mean, there's a reason we don't play these games on paper. I feel like we say that two or three times a week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, um, I see one spot where I know we're going to say that coming up later in the podcast. But. Okay. That's a little tease for everyone. Uh, I don't even know when that is. Um, and then Northridge had two individual champions. Kale Arroyo at 160. Travis Hemke at 220. Hemke is still undefeated. 32-0 and 0 on the year. That's hot take. It's pretty good. Yes. So... Six individual champions from our coverage area. Mishawaka won six, and then Plymouth won two, the other two. Um, so that's the NLC. And I see Penn won the team title, 13th year in a row. Sometimes you could play these games on paper and they would work out as you expect. And yes. often when it's like that, that applies to Penn in a number of sports, also uh, Gymtown football. Tends yeah. to be in that category. For a long time, Gymtown football. They're still good. They still win the oh, NIC. Yeah. Uh, what are they in the East West or whatever the football division is named now? Legends and leaders, something yeah, like that. Yeah. No, I mean Hakuna Matata. Yeah. <laughs> they're those? they're still good, but they've set the bar really, really high in past years too. Right. Right. And so, um, speaking of Jimtown, they finished fourth at the team. They got two individual winners, Aiden Hartman, one oh six, Mikey Calomani at one thirty two. Um, the most Italian name ever I think Mikey Calamani he also looks very Italian I was going to say there would be some competition on Italian sounding names in the northwestern part of Elkhart County yes Um, Elkhart was second as a team Uh, only one individual winner Braden Jellison at 285 he has a chance to make it to state Um, with Christian Carroll uh, foregoing the rest of his senior year from Jimtown that really opens up the field uh, in the heavyweight division in the northern half of the state I was going to say, at 285, you're not going to describe him as a lightweight. No. He's a big boy. He's going to play uh, offensive line at Illinois State. So, yeah. Pretty good. Um, girls swimming. The girls swimming championship meets were this past Saturday as well. Um, we'll just zip through Northern Indiana Conference, Penn. Okay. There's that. NLC. Um, Slightly less surprising, but not a whole lot. No. And Elkhart was sixth. Jimtown has two swimmers, three swimmers total. So our our two schools didn't, you know, really have a much going on there. They're also in a conference with Penn. Yes. So, in some level, that's and not a huge Bend surprise. Yeah. Are, South Bend schools are good at swimming, too. Um, NLC, very newsy NLC championship meet as I try to grab my phone. There we go. Concord won the team title, which, not a surprise. They're, they won the regular season, and then they they just have so much depth. Like, they only won three of the 11, three of the 12 events, but they got first, second, and fourth in diving. That's a lot of, po- a lot of points. Northridge didn't have, excuse me, Northridge had like one diver, and then Wawasee had none. So, like that, you're winning all the points yeah. right there. Um, Northridge or Concord would have, they wouldn't get first, but they would get second and third or second and fourth, you know. So, like, they were racking up all these points yeah. without winning anything. 
What uh, What's the numerical breakdown of how the points line up in, in swimming? I believe it's um, 20 for first, 16, and then 12, 8, 4, 3, okay. 2, 1. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's very, I mean, because I know in uh, in any of these sports where you're, you're talking about getting points for third and fourth and fifth places, it's these conference meets are as much a test of your depth as they are about who's grabbing the headlines and getting their name up on the records board. Uh, spoiler alert, that right. was Wawasee. Wawasee was everywhere um, on the record board, yes. But they're not the one coming away with the big trophy. I'd say they made a splash, but in diving, you're trying not to make a splash, of course. They made a lot of splashing in the swimming, so. Okay. Um, for some reason, the final uh, results sheet doesn't have that scoring breakdown, but that's how it is, I believe. I'm so, sure somebody will correct you if you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you alluded to, Wallacee set five new meet records, uh, four of them by Julie Mishler, all by herself. That's pretty impressive. You can I only say. swim four events, right? Yes. You can and only she had swim four, four meet records? Yes. Two relays, two individuals. I would say it's hard to get much better than that. Yeah. Um, she set the new meet record in the 50-yard freestyle and the 100-yard butterfly. Uh, it's 50-yard freestyle. She actually set the record Thursday in the prelims, and then she rebroke it Saturday in the finals. So that's a pretty good week. Um, 22.88 seconds. That's that's pretty good. Um, yeah. And the 100-yard butterfly, 55.23 seconds. Um, and then she was on two relay records, um, the 200 medley relay and the 400 free relay. Um, she was on. She was on both of them with her sister Alexis Mishler, a senior. Uh, Julie is a sophomore. So yes, she's pretty. She got some more years. So you, I think I know what we'll be talking about next year at this time. With right. Sea and Girls swimming. every swimming meet we ever talk about, we Mishler get used to the name. Uh, Kaya Farrington was also on both relays, and then for the two hundred medley, sophomore Addison Beasley. Was with them, or no? Sorry, Beasley was on the 400 free. Senior Hayden Near was on the 200 medley, and then Alexis Mishler also set an individual record, 55.72 seconds on the 100 yard backstroke. So, that's I don't understand how you do the backstroke and you don't run into things personally. But yeah, that I was not a good swimmer. I same. Um, I was so a, little, are, a little too naturally buoyant, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't float well either. So, um, yeah. So, Wawasee, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, they're really good top-end talent. They just don't have a lot of that depth. Those, like, the their top five are, are incredible, but it's the six through ten right. or eleven. That's where Concord beats all the teams in the area right now. They just have so much more depth. I mean, that was the same thing that when Elkhart had its uh, streak of approximately 17,000 consecutive dual meet wins in the mm-hmm. 90s. I'm exaggerating, but not by a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they'd go down, and, and then Carmel would do the same thing to them at the state level. And it's a little bit like what we were talking about last week with, with girls wrestling, that you know, swimming is a, a little bit of a, in a similar boat. I swear I wasn't trying to make that pun, but it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that uh, that you, can have, you can have some people that are really, really good that that steal some headlines and then down the ballot aways you get some some schools that are deeper that that come away with with the big trophy yeah and um you know like those elkhart teams you you still need the, the elite 
like Lindsey Banco, you need still need that, you know, person that I think when I looked it up, I'm pretty sure the Lindsey Banco, like her senior year was the closest Carmel had ever come to not winning state in the last 30 years. It wasn't that yes. close, but it was the closest anyone's been. A little bit like our Jimtown football conversation, setting the bar really, really high. Yeah, yeah that would be Carmel girls swimming. 36 in a row. 36, 36 in a row. What? What's the last year they didn't win? Back in the 80s? Yes, it would have to be at this point. 36? Okay, so... Yeah, you'd be looking at like 1986-ish, depending. I forget exactly how how the COVID affected the swimming finals. Well, they, they swam. They swam in that year. Okay. So they won that they year. got in before everything shut down. Yes. But still, you'd be looking yes. at you'd be looking at the mid you know the mid 1980s that that it's funny you know at that point we'd have been talking about an entirely different set of of dominant schools and swimming and then. The rest of the state really has been an afterthought to, to Carmel now for a generation and change. Two, yeah, I say two generations, generations almost at this yeah. point. Um, yes. So Wallace, I think they're positioned to do better, like at the state meet, because mm-hmm. there's so much more of a level playing field than just Concord being able to get three in each event. Yeah. Wallace's top will get in, and so will Concord's top, but Wallace's top swimmers are beating concord's top swimmers right so like concord might win sectional in two weeks here on first weekend of february but when we get to state wallace might end up being the better team in that regard Uh, again everybody's good when you get to state right it's a much more level playing field in that regard right um also i forgot i wanted to shout out the girls wrestling thank you for bringing that up um we had uh five girls go down to state meet this past weekend um, Genesis Ramirez Elkhart, fifth place at 98 pounds, three and one on the day. Good for her. Good, good showing. And then she came back and took second in the NIC uh, Boys Championship on Saturday. So she not a bad weekend. Not a bad weekend. Um, and then we also had Naima Gafar. Naima Gafar. It's the second straight week. I've said it differently. I'm sorry. Northwood freshman, sixth place, 113 pounds. Alexandra Garcia, Wawasi, eighth place at 160. Um, and then we had Jimtown's Flaherty Harder and West Obel's Michaela Withrow go down. They lost their first round matches, so they were out early, did not get to place, but still great showings. It's still going to state. Right. They went to state. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so I forgot. Now, now this, the flow makes no sense, but that's okay. Um, let's talk about NECC basketball. We can do that. Let's do it. Well, I I steer the ship. Yes. So it's, you're going to talk about NACC basketball, whether you want to or not. Um, we have two local champions. First time that I've been here where we've had two area teams win it in the same year. And honestly, off the top of my head, Westview boys in 2019, the 18-19 season, are the only time that our coverage area has won it since I've been here. So, because West Oval yeah. hadn't won boys since 2014, and Fairfield girls hadn't won since Bria Garber's mom was on the team. So, yeah, that's uh, speaking of once in a generation achievements. I think Fairfield yeah. would. It's a little bit surprising we haven't seen more. I think out of Fairfield on the NACC stage in the last few years because they've been reasonably talented. Yeah, I mean the but, 2017. The issue when they got like in 17, 18, when they went to semi state was. Central Noble was also very good that year, yeah. right? Um, and then last year, 
Same thing, conference tournament, Garrett was really good. So they ran into Garrett in the semis. They got railroaded. They, there you go. He's here all week, folks. No, I'm not. I'm well, in the office to record this podcast. He's here on your phone, listening, whatever your heart yes, desires. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm also on Twitter more than I should be. That's okay. You have a lot of Twitter accounts to run, man. Yeah. A lot of links to manage. Yes. Um, Much tweeting. Fairfield Girls Basketball. First NECC tournament championship since 1996. They came back and beat Central Noble 56 to 42. They were trailing midway through the third quarter. I'm going to pull this up so I'm not. They were down 36 28 midway through the third quarter. Came up. Uh, just ended the game on a ferocious run 26 6. Yeah, I was going to say something like that. That's right. really good. Is that math right? No, it's no, not. No, 28 to 6. It was 28 30, 6. It was 36 28. Yeah. Yeah. So they scored half their points Our in the sto- last 11 or 12 minutes. The story was factually incorrect. I apologize for not doing that math. Uh, it looks right when I when I added it, though. Um, 28 6 run to end the game. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, yeah, in the last 11, 12 minutes. Morgan Gothra up 23 points in the title game. Bria Garber was a star all week. Um, scored double digits every game. Um, and now Fairfield, they're ranked uh, number seven in 3A. And they're 18-2. and two. And guess what? They get a rematch with Central Noble tonight, Tuesday night. Just scheduling gods. Uh, so this will be, for the regular season, NECC title. Both teams undefeated, still in conference play. Fairfield, um, this is, I mean, I know they still have other conference games to go. But this is, this is it. Fairfield Central Noble tonight, Tuesday night, eighteen and two at nineteen and one. Central Noble's first loss was Saturday. Noble still ranked number one in two um, A for what it's worth. So, yeah. Who does Fairfield finish out the they season have, with? I know they have West Noble. They have Westview and West Noble. In the Westview conference Friday, season? West Noble the twenty seventh. Yes, that's it. And then don't and, they have a non conference game next week? They yeah. have Bethany right in the middle. Of that, so they play Westview Friday, Bethany Monday, West Noble next Friday, and then sectional. So, um, and Central Noble still has. Let's pull up their schedule. Um, this is this is great audio. Great. Yeah. Audio. No, I like how you're sitting at a computer and pulling up the schedule well, on your phone. Well, I don't really have. I mean, there is internet on this computer, but it's just easier for me on my phone because I got it all tabbed. You know, you one of those people that has like 270 tabs open on your phone in a given moment? No, I'm not. I can't do that. It's just weird. I'm like OCD with closing the tabs. Um, they still have Eastside and Churubusco in conference play. So, I mean, that's not negligible, but it's not. Busco's very bad. Eastside could give them a game. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're, they're games that you've got. You still got to show up for and 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 give it the effort and and play thirty two minutes. East, but Eastside is third in the conference, six and one in conference games. Their only loss being to Fairfield, and Busco is one and six in the conference, four and thirteen overall. So, if Fairfield wins tonight, they got Westview, who is uh, four and three conference play, seven and eleven overall, and then West Noble. Who is two and five in the conference, three and fifteen overall. Who Fairfield beat West Noble sixty-two to sixteen this past Friday on television. It, yes, Chuck Freebie gets another shout out. Uh, two weeks in a row. You just love Chuck. I think we might get another one in later in the show too. Yeah, why not? Um, but 
Yes. Yeah. So, Fairfield, Central Noble, big game tonight. And then Fairfield, you know, this should be able to take – I mean, you never know what could happen, but Westview and West Noble feel like winnable, very winnable games for them. The, the, the Monday game with Bethany is very interesting to me, especially with how Bethany does – Maybe not against um, Concord tonight, but Culver Academy coming to town Saturday. Yeah, that's a definite case where your schedule is... I mean, I think those games are intentionally there to ramp up the intensity going into the sectional. Yeah, those are their last two games for Bethany, right? Regular season games, Regular season, yeah. Obviously, that's what I meant. Uh, Let's talk about the Bethany girls. Um, We'll get back to the West Double boys when we talk about boys basketball here in a second. Yeah. that's out of order from what I wrote it down, but whatever. Um, Nobody would have known that if you hadn't said it. I know, but I'm like peeking behind the curtain, you know? Yeah. The behind the scenes. Um, Bethany Christian Girls, number eight, Class 1A rankings this week. Had a nice 3-0 and week. Again, two straight 3-0 and weeks for the Bruins. Blackhawk Christian being the big one Thursday night. Um, led wire to wire almost. Not quite wire to wire. First 35 seconds, they weren't winning, but that was about as good of a performance as I think they've had all year. You've obviously seen them a lot more than I have in person, but that was a, a really good overall team win against a good Blackhawk team who they probably will see again in two weeks here in the sectional. Probably, and they're going to have to go to Blackhawk when they see them in sectional because... Yeah. Travel. Yeah, I, I was not consulted when they picked the sectional host. Let's put it that way. But Bethany hosted last year, so I suppose that... I mean, that's a sectional where there is no convenient sectional host. Somebody's no. got to drive an hour and a half through northeastern Indiana to get pretty much anywhere in that sectional. Um, but, no, it's a Blackhawk team that if they can feed the ball inside six foot 6'3-inch Allie Boyer, they're going to make some noise and... Bethany let Allie Boyer score 16 points, and the rest of the Blackhawk team scored 10. And I thought they did a pretty good job on defense Yeah, on her, too. Like, right. the first half, they were doing everything in their power to deflect passes. And I think that if she had, you know, she could have easily scored 30 if they had just gotten clean passes in that first half. By the time that Blackhawk was finally figuring out a way to get it to her cleanly, it was too late. Yeah. I mean, Bethany basically dribbled out the clock in the fourth quarter. Yes, I am generally pro shot clock in high school basketball, but watching some of these people that have talent dribble the basketball and run two- and three-person weaves at the end of games is, yeah. is almost worth it when it's done well. Right. Now, if you're, this, yeah. if you're trailing, it's infuriating, of course. Yes. Um, But I thought, I mean, talking about how Bethany basically said, well, let's let the rest of the Blackhawk team beat us, and they didn't. Yeah. Blackhawk went the other way and threw the kitchen sink at Zoe Willems. And it looked like that took them out of rhythm in their ability to defend the other four people on the floor. Julia Moser, three first half threes. Uh, I forget. I Kirsten mean, Todd had 10 points. Kirsten Todd had 10 points. Stolstice only scored two, but like. Yeah, but she, she did everything first, else. Yeah, she was filling the gaps. Yes. Um, um, yeah, I think like everyone scored, almost everyone that played scored for Bethany. Yes. And Zoe still got her 15 points. Yeah. And then she would crack the thousand point mark on Saturday against Trinity Greenlaw. Much which, different quality of team. Willems outscored Trinity in that game. 
16 she had 16. to 14. The Titans had 14. Bruins win the Hoosier Plains Conference 49 to 14. When I talk about ramping up the intensity going into the sectional, yes, that is a, a veiled comment about some of the mm-hmm. uh, teams that you run into in a 1A conference that not everybody can have a good year at the same time. Yeah. You know, Argus pretty Argus was a decent game. Uh, Trinity and Career Academy were on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, and ECA has been struggling this year too. Yeah. So. Um, but they were in, you know, ECA had some up years. Well, Bethany had some down years, you know, right. 10 or 12 years ago. Um, the reality is that the purpose of, of small school conferences is to really to be able to have a consistent baseline to measure against and not necessarily that everybody is going to have the best to offer year in and year out. Like, I mean, we'll talk about the NLC here in a few minutes. And that's a league where, you know, I see four or five teams that could win the thing. Could yes. I mean it's going to require somebody else to trip up, but they have four or five teams that could win the thing. The Hoosier Plans Conference has six teams total, um, right? And yeah, that's that'll get interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, next couple yeah. of weeks always and, does as you look at the sectional. And Concord, Concord for them this week in theory that's usually a good game. I Concord is four and fifteen. So they're struggling. Yeah, but that's um, a big school for them. But it's a four A school. Still a chance to get a win over an NLC team. Um, that's why I said the Fairfield one is really interesting. And Culver, Culver's twelve and six right now. Fairfield, of course, eighteen and two. Yeah. Those records will change obviously by the time we get there next week. But um, I think it's uh, this is those those two games back to back. Culver Saturday, Fairfield Monday. That's that's a really good litmus test. for for Bethany, and you know you can learn a, a lot of things about yourself before you go play at the one A in the one A tournament. Right, and the other thing is that going Saturday Monday for those games is reasonably close to that Friday Saturday turnaround that you're going to get in the in the sectional final. Right. And the other thing is in between there, you will literally learn who you would play when in the sectional because when yes. is the sectional draw, Austin? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. 5 p.m. Have you acquired a random draw machine for your new office yet? Oh, no. Have you acquired the Penguin Point menu board for your new office yet? I think that was my favorite suggestion. The Penguin Point menu was a very good suggestion. Someone (laughs) said I should put a koi pond in there. Like, How would you do that? He said, like, you know, cut a hole in the floor, fill it with a koi pond, and then put a glass, you know, thing over it so you could see the koi pond. Wouldn't the koi suffocate if you sealed the top off? I don't know. I'm going to guess. This is why we're journalism people and mm. not, you know, construction people. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. Um, anyway. Probably not the koi, though? No koi pond. That's okay. a little, little don't, above my pay grade. Don't, don't be coy about it. Thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, girls basketball, we're, we're, we're so close to the end. Conference t- t- tournaments and champions have, I mean, after tonight, after Fairfield Central Noble, like they're all decided, basically. Bethany won the HPC. Warsaw plays Concord. Left. That's it for the NLC for them. So that, yeah. Washington's running away with the NIC, right? Yeah. Elkhart Penn Wednesday night girls game could be pretty interesting. Um, I'm gonna go to that. I think um, good game. Hopefully, Elkhart's a team in that sectional that could just disrupt. I don't know. There. It's been Northridge, Warsaw, Penn, and here comes Elkhart. Like, and it could be tricky. Like. I feel sorry for Concord and Goshen, just in the sense that you can yeah. have. I mean, that's a and Goshen, Goshen, they're hard to adjust to within a game. Like when you're not mm-hmm. used to playing two six footers, 
now all these teams have played Goshen now, so they'll know how to game plan for it. But, like, Goshen can hang around in a game just because of their size. Yeah. So they're, they're not, like, an easy out either. Like, no. Concord, unfortunately for the Men, they're the only team in there that's like, yeah, like, they're probably going to be beat first game whenever they play because the level of the competition is just so good around them. I mean, somebody... Somebody always there are some sectionals you look at that it's like yeah somebody's got to win it I guess Concord is in the exact opposite of that situation that that's still that's not a team I I really want to look forward to facing yeah but somebody by process of elimination has to be the not favorite in that section right so okay and then boys basketball uh, we'll talk about West Noble they it won a, was a noble effort from the Chargers it, they beat the noble men of Central uh, in the final. The only reason they didn't beat e- uh, the, the noblemen from the east side of Noble County is they're not in the NECC. Yes. And they also did not beat east side, which is in the NECC. But not in Noble County. But not in Noble County. It's very east in the state. It's about it's as a, far east as you can get. Literally. Literally. And then there's Fremont, which is both really far north and really far east. They, Fremont is northeast. And Angola. Um... Yeah. Yes. Okay. West Noble, 62. Central Noble, 58. Boys Basketball, NECC Tournament Championship. Congrats to the Chargers. First title since 2014. Seventh overall in school history. They are 7-3 and three in conference title games. That's good. Do you have something pulled up? You look like you have your phone. No, I have something. I've got something that I need to write down and talk about later in the show pulled up. Um, ah. But Austin Kripe, fairly talented. Very good. Braden Barth. Good. Would steal the headlines if he weren't on a team with Austin Kripe. Yeah. Kripe's, he is, we talked about him, I think, last week too, man. He is just fantastic. Like, he is so good. He's put on the muscle. That's how we talked about him last week, the weight. Um, and he's he's just really good, man. He's just, he's gotten better, which is insane because he was pretty good last year. Um, West Opal, they're in control of the regular season title for the NACC as well. A lot more games to go for that, of course, um, given they started four weeks later than the girls. But, you know, they've got Westview still lurking. Westview gave them a great game last week. That was a fun game. That's might be the two West Noble games I've covered this year have been a blast. The Prairie Heights game went to overtime, and then Westview was back and forth pretty much the whole way, and uh, West Noble got them at the end, but they – yeah, Westview, 8-4. and four. All they do is play dramatic games. That's all they do. They beat Angola by two in the Constellation game. It's like, that's all they do. Crazy, dramatic, yeah. dumb games. Again, we don't play these games on paper for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't where I thought it was going to come up. Yes. Uh, it's good. Um, and then Northern Lakes count. First off, West Opal, 11-1. Ranked 6th in 3A. Great season so far. Northern Lakes Conference, uh, nothing crazy happened, of course. The bank was open late Friday night. The bank was open late Friday night. Uh, yeah, so I, I played back last week's episode on Saturday morning. Just wanted to hear how I sounded talking about Goshen Warsaw before it happened. Man, was, was past Austin bad. Wrong. Dead wrong. Very wrong. Um, Goshen, 51. Warsaw, 48. Deacon Hill, game winner at the buzzer, banked it in. Uh, 
hesitated mid mid shot, pulled up, held the ball, then somehow made it. I don't know how it went in. He got it off in time, in case anyone was wondering. He did get it off. I've watched the video now at least 100 times because of the constant retweets and likes and shares on Facebook. and That's not as many times as he's watched it. I don't know how many times Deacon has watched the shot. Um, But Goshen, um, out of nowhere, just they looked so bad against Concord last two weeks ago now, I guess. And they somehow they came back. Kudos to them. They they had a week off. They refocused. They centered themselves. Whatever you want to use, they they were in that game the whole way. It wasn't a fluke. Their last shot's great, and that was kind of a fluky shot. But they were in that game the whole way. They led by ten in the third quarter. Warsaw came all the way back, took the lead. It was tight for most of the game. Like. That wasn't like, oh, Warsaw had 30 turnovers and Goshen won by default. No, Goshen won that game. And just amazing. I was shocked, to be honest. I thought Warsaw was going to be able to take care of them pretty comfortably. And yeah. Goshen, it's the, second, it's the second biggest win for Goshen boys basketball since I've been here. The other one being Northridge last year. Yeah. In the reg- which also was... A game-winning shot. Quinn Bechtel making a three with two seconds left or whatever mm-hmm. to win that game. So what I hear you saying about Goshen Warsaw is that, you know, the fact that that specific shot went in might have been a fluke. Yeah. But the other reality is it was a three-point shot at the buzzer, and they won by three. So if that shot hadn't gone in, the consolation prize is you're playing, for, you're playing overtime. Right. And the fact that they were there doesn't sound like a fluke. The fact that Goshen even had a chance to win it at the end. Yeah. Shows I, that, you know, they, they were in that game. Incidentally, so. I thought where you were going to get shocked was last week when you described the atmosphere at the swim meet as electric. That's a dangerous place for an electric atmosphere. Yes. Hey, the conference and the sectional swim meets, because the boys or the other gender isn't swimming, so they're all yeah. there cheering them on. It's awesome. I'm just saying, electrical current and swimming pools is a dangerous combination. I agree. And the rest of the NLC, to try to steer this back on track, also reasonably electric last week. I'm just looking here, and... The three, the first three games you have listed on this rundown, a combined margin of eleven points. Yeah, Northwood, Northwood won by five over Northridge, in a game that Northridge led by four at half. That was the first real road test for Northwood, and we're going to talk about that with Aaron Wolf here coming up. Um, you know, Northwood's three biggest games this season have been neutral sites. Yeah, Beach Grove was played in Brownsburg, and then they went to the Hall of Fame Classic with Ben Davis and uh, North Davies, which is in Newcastle. Um, and, you know, they've had they've had other road games, of course, but nothing of, like, a quality of, like, a Northridge team. And you knew Northridge was going to be up for this game. They had lost four in a row. They were going to be ready to go. Gave them everything they could handle. Uh, that's a quality road win for Northwood. Yeah. That's a really good win. Um, and then Concord. 44-41 over Plymouth. Close game. Plymouth is much better than they, what they were last year. They were hard to watch last year. Um, and this year, they are, they're playing with a lot more fight. They only lost to Mishawaka by eight. They lost to Northwood before Christmas by, like, 20, which, again, a lot of teams are doing that. Um, the other thing is it's before Christmas. And quite frankly, people remember these seasons by where you are in February and March and right. not necessarily by what you do in December. 
So Plymouth and Wallace are the only 0-3 teams in the conference, but Plymouth, you know, they draw the inevitable task of playing Northwood and Mishawaka in their first two, and then Concord has been resurgent this last three, four weeks. Um, so Wallace lost uh, 69-43 to Mishawaka. It was 22-17 at halftime. So. Wow. Mishawaka is good. 47 points in the last 24 minutes. Uh-huh. That's pretty good. That's You're going to win most times when you score that many. Yeah. The second. Um, so this Friday, Goshen at Northwood, which I misspoke on that last week too. I thought Northwood, Mich- Northwood Warsaw was this week. That's next week, the 28th. Um, that's, I mean, last week a recurring, recurring gag was popcorn. And yeah. that's definitely a popcorn game. Not that yeah. Goshen Northwood is bad. Especially with with Goshen getting off the canvas at the bottom of the conference. Yeah. Um, Concord, Warsaw, uh, whoever. I mean, that's a big one in terms of staying in Both the conference two and one. race. Yeah. At Warsaw. Yeah. At Warsaw. Excuse me. Woo. Hiccup. That's fun. Um, and then Plymouth, Wallace in Syracuse. Someone's getting their first NLC win. And then Saturday night, Northridge at Mishawaka. It's another one of those games where, you know, Mishawaka can keep pace. Northridge will give them everything they can handle. So. Yeah, Northridge is they're, they're in the, Northridge is technically in the bottom half of the conference standings right now. They're, right. I mean, they're, they're tied fifth. for fifth in an eight-team league. Right. That is still not, I mean, you look at sectional draws coming up. You look at still the majority of the conference schedule to go. Everybody's got four of their seven games left. That's still not a Northridge team I want to see opposite, you know, on, you know, warming up on the other side of the floor. Right. So... Um, yeah, so that's the NLC. Let's talk more NLC basketball with Aaron Wolf. I now welcome on the head basketball coach of Northwood High School. That is Aaron Wolf. He's currently in his 16th season leading the Panthers. 264 wins, 110 losses on his career. Am I looking at John Harrell's website right now? Maybe. Um, Panthers are 11-2, ranked number two in Class 3A this season. Aaron, uh, first things first, how are you? I'm doing great. Right now, I am perusing the TV, trying to figure out who's going to win this Purdue-Michigan State game. Well, for those who are listening to the podcast now, we will just have to insert the final score at the end of this interview or something, so people will know on Tuesday afternoon that if Purdue or Michigan State won. But as of now, we don't know who the winner is, so that's fun. Um, Aaron, really appreciate you coming on. Um, first off, I already said first off, second now, uh, you guys had a big road test this past Friday night against Northridge. You went into a, a hostile environment, won by five points. Um I would say that was probably your toughest, maybe your first true road test of the year. Your biggest three games already, I would say, you know, they were neutral court games. How, how did you feel like your team responded on a road environment like that against Northridge? You know, I was happy with our guys. I mean, anytime you get into the NLC, um, I think most people will try to look at margins and try to determine if you played well, you didn't play well. But uh, I think the the biggest thing was is that our kids played hard. You know, obviously, I think any basketball coach could look at games and, and look at things that you think that you can do better um, and, and things where you can improve. Uh, but I think any 
Yeah, you guys, of course, have had expectations the last couple of years as a team, but feels like they were higher, much higher this year. I believe you were number one team preseason ranked and have been in that top two, three conversation the whole season. How have you tried to maybe handle that outside noise that comes from people like me talking about how great you guys are all the time? specifically about uh, the younger Rosh brother there, Tyler. I know he played a handful of minutes on varsity last year, but this year as a sophomore, he's, he's obviously stepped into a, a much bigger role. He's obviously also a very big kid, too. I mean, he is, uh, he's taller and, and wider than most uh, players in this area. Just how important has maybe his presence down low helped this team kind of – it makes those three-point shooters you have even more lethal when you've got a guy who can get a bucket pretty much any time you want down in the low post. You know, I think when when you were coming into the season, you know, sometimes you might take a guess on, you know, the impact that players are going to have, but you really need to get into varsity games and, and play games at the top of your schedule to really find out uh, how everything is going to pan out. And, you know, obviously, uh, Tyler is a, you know, he's 6'8", he's long, but I think probably what's, what's most important is he's got a tremendous temperament. Uh, like when you when you watch him, uh, he's the youngest the the youngest boy of three uh, in his family, and he just does a really really nice job of just continuing to play. He's one of those guys that if you would walk into a practice or a game, you really wouldn't be able to look at him and determine you know is he playing really really well or is he struggling this day or practice or game. Um, and so I think that what that allows him to do is just get better every day. Uh, and so I think he's one of those guys that, you know, has a, has a very high ceiling for us, uh, and he continues to improve. Uh, and I think he's, you know, he's better this week than he was three weeks ago. And I think, you know, the, the improvement and the marked improvement from that spot, you know, on this team is going to be really important as he kind of anchors the back of our defense and uh, kind of anchors the interior for our, for our offense. Yeah, you guys play South Bend St. Joseph on Tuesday of uh, this week. Uh, I don't want to necessarily skip ahead and pass that game, but after after you played the Indians on Tuesday, now you got basically a five-game stretch here where four of them are the conference games, your last four conference games, and then your only non-conference game in there is West Noble, who you probably will see at some point again in the in the sectional. I guess this is, I don't want to say it's a season-defining stretch necessarily, but it kind of feels like coming up here after the St. Joe game, you might learn a lot about yourself in those five games, four of them being conference contests. Would you agree with that? 
January, like if you're sitting at Northwood, January is always a, a good month. Um, you play NLC games. Uh, you've got a good non-conference schedule uh, where you're trying to figure out by February kind of what your DNA is going to be and what things you can do successfully and what things that maybe you can't do very well. And I think when you look at the, the level of players that we're getting ready to run and up against in this stretch, I don't think it's any different. Um, I think probably, you know, we've got some experiences that are pre-January that we can draw from, from mm-hmm. uh, in some of these games. Uh, you know, obviously the Hall of Fame and, um, you know, us getting to, to go down to Sneakers for Santa and then uh, playing in some of those events. I think it, what it does is that prepares you, you know, kind of in your preseason for these. But, uh, you know, I've always said that, you know, sitting, sitting in our seats, playing in the NLC, we're blessed. Um, you know, I think from a standpoint of if anything's going to prepare you for the postseason, uh, we're really, really fortunate to be able to walk into some of these environments uh, and play against some of these players uh, that does nothing but make us better. Yeah, just looking at it now, too, and realizing maybe the three biggest games of your rest of your schedule, Warsaw, West Oval, Mishawaka, all on the road, um, that, that'll, that'll get you ready for postseason right there, I'll tell you that much. So that's... That's a fun stretch there, those three games, with Concord in the yeah. middle as well. Right. He's playing well. I wouldn't, sleep, I wouldn't sleep on, you know, some of the teams that we play in February either. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously you're just you're just trying to get better, and uh, it, it's one of those things to where when you play good people and you play good competition um, night in, night out, I think it, it can really, really help you, uh, you know, as far as developing your team. Yeah. Um, well, Aaron, I, I appreciate you coming on. It's just wanted to, you know, check in with you guys. You guys have been playing very well, of course. Um, Goshen Friday night, NLC game again. Uh, you get to play the Red Hawks, who are coming off a very dramatic victory over Warsaw, to say the least. Um, that was a fun game to be out on Friday night, and who knows, maybe Goshen, uh, you know, Goshen gave you a good game last year. It would be fun to see if they can uh, try to scare you again maybe this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you probably look at Goshen's roster, I think they probably bring back as much experience yeah. as anyone in the conference. I right. Mean, when you're talking about kids that have played young, I know Bechtel's a four-year starter. I know Gil was playing for four years. Um, so they've got guys that have been on the varsity in this. I mean, I mean, anytime you can log 25 games of NLC games and you've got that under your belt, I mean, these guys obviously know how to compete. Uh, they had a great win against Warsaw at home. It looked like it was unbelievably dramatic. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? To say the it, least. It, it, I think, <laughs> yeah, that, that was blowing up all over social media. My phone didn't um, stop going off for about 24 hours, so that was fun. <laughs> it's getting like, li- likes and retweets, man. So many. If you were trying to figure out who celebrated the most, I am not so sure <laughs> that Coach Wolford was not, was not the lead celebrator. He, uh, yeah. Which it, but, like, yes, I mean, there was some, uh, that, that, that was one to celebrate over. It's one of those things where when you look back at the NLC, uh, that was probably one of the most dramatic finishes that, you know, that I can remember. Yeah, no, it was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I think Michael Wolford probably was the lead celebrator, like you said, on that one. That was, he was hugging everybody. He looked, he looked like he was ecstatic. Uh, he almost enjoyed it more than, like, Deacon Hill did, you know? So, uh, that was fun. 
Yeah, I, you know what? It's funny because like now I'm thinking back to game winners and yours last year against Concord and the uh, we'll call it the snow game um, when it was a foot of snow outside. You had the most subdued reaction I think of anyone in the in the moment. Um, you just turned around and shook hands with Derek to show, and I think, and that was it. I was like, Aaron, you just want a game with the buzzer, man. Like you could smile, like you know what I mean. Like I, I played that video back a couple times too. So Austin, to be completely honest, <laughs> that was one of those moments. Really? Like, it, was, like it, it was one of those to where, like, if you celebrate too early, yeah. it almost felt like a little bit of deja vu. It was almost the same play that maybe we had in Newcastle. It was called on the floor. Yes, and that's so true. You're kind, of, you're kind of looking around at that moment, and you kind of chuckle, and you're just like, all right, is this real? Like, <laughs> is this actually going to happen, or are we going to take the ball out of bounds? But, yeah, that was, that was one of those. I can say that that game last year against Concord, I am saying it was probably the biggest game in the state. I can almost say that with, with, with certainty. I, yes, I agree. Biggest game in state history that occurred on February 3rd, 2021. Two. Sorry, 2022. Um, yes. Well, Aaron, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me. Uh, good luck this week. Non-conference game, like I said, Tuesday night against St. Joe uh, on the road. So tricky, maybe a little tricky spot there. And then, uh, like we talked about, the hardier NLC schedule coming down the stretch here, starting with Goshen on Friday. So um, Sounds good, Austin. And congratulations on your new office. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm glad uh, people have been paying attention to that. If you have any wall recommendations other than putting up a TV with the Xbox, that'd be great. So I look for some any, – any advice to hang things on the wall with that would be awesome. Hey, anything to get rid of the uh, the kind of the blondness of the walls. I'm good with that. So uh, <laughs> appreciate it, Aaron. Thank you. All right, Austin. Take care. Thank you, Aaron, for joining us again on the podcast. Uh, we will now go to the Maple Leaf Minute. We uh, have a first Maple Leaf Minute of the 2023 uh, spring semester. Gabe Kermode, Goshen College student uh, and baseball player. He's taking over the Maple Leaf Minute for this week. So, Gabe, take it away. I'm Gabe Kermode, and this is your Maple Leaf Minute, presented by 91.1 The Globe. Starting off on Wednesday, it was a rough night on the court for both men's and women's basketball at GC. The women's squad traveled down to Indy and were shellacked 103-56 by Indiana Wesleyan in a blowout loss. Meanwhile, back at home, it was the men's team who kept it tight against the Wildcats, but eventually fell 80-63. Isaac Miller impressed in the loss, shooting 5 or 7 with 11 points and 4 rebounds. Saturday was a big day for GC. Both men's and women's track burst out of the gate for their first meet of 2023. The men were led by Drew Hogan, finishing 10th out of the 14 teams at the Sean Brady Alumni Invitational. The women's squad finished 13th of 13 teams, but did have a quartet of competitors rack up points nonetheless. Back to the hardwood, both basketball squads were back on the road, this time in a battle for the U.S. Highway 20 Cup against the Bethel Pilots. The women fell behind early and despite a furious comeback, ultimately fell 67-56. In the loss, Zion Neat paced the team with 15 points. And on the men's side, GC held their own against a tough opponent. The release notched double-digit scoring efforts in the 86-70 loss, including Judas and Fuqua, who blasted through for a career-high 20 points. That's going to do it for your Maple Leaf Minute. Tune in next week for more Goshen College Athletics. Thank you, Gabe. 
Thank you, Gabe, for that update. We will continue the the Goshen Goshen College Talk. Drew Hogan. Shout out Drew Hogan. Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroics. Hills Heroics was the headline on Saturday morning's paper for Deacon. If you'd have missed, would it have been Hill Street Blues? Yes, probably. Um, And so, yeah, Goshen College. Basketball. We don't have to talk about that. Track. Good energy with the track. I know, like the team standings look look bad, but it's again, a good start. And again, these are events that Hogan doesn't normally run in. Right. So. Again, early season track meets. The goal is really to set yourself up for February and the national meet in March, and not necessarily. I mean, if you you win things, you look good. That's a great thing. But nobody stands here and says, "Ooh, I ran really, really well in the first meet of the season." When we look back at things, right, uh, come later in the year. But yeah, good, uh, good, good showing on some individual fronts on Saturday over at Trine. Um, good, good effort from the women's basketball led Bethel in the fourth quarter of that game. The last, the last several minutes of the fourth quarter were not anything to write home about unless you're wearing pilot blue and white. Yeah, um, I know rivalry. Also, how the heck? That's a nice way of putting it. Do we get a schedule where you play Iwu and Bethel back to back weeks? Yeah, you play A, you play Iwu and Bethel back to back. Right. B, you do that back to back. It's like, why? Because I didn't How? make the schedule. Who do I talk to? I know to who about did, this? but I'm not gonna throw that person under the bus. On the podcast, I'll throw I'm gonna them under send a strongly also. worded email to that person. That makes actually they're they have moved on from the role that they were in when they made the schedule. Well, that... yeah, probably because they made this dumb schedule. So. I'm not sure that there was a chicken and egg relationship there, but I uh, woo not, for, for anyone who's not needs clarification. By the way, Goshen College played I woo Bethel Wednesday Saturday basketball last week, and then they're playing them again Wednesday Saturday basketball this week. It looks like a typo. It does. That's honestly that's what I thought it was at first was that somebody had copied it down in the a, wrong week on the calendar. I had to double check Daniel Escott. He wrote the story, but at the end. I, I actually opened up GoLeafs.net because I was like, is he looking at the wrong schedule? Mm-hmm. So we all did. We all collectively looked at it like, what? Yeah, not how I would have drawn things up. I think it had to do with trying to make sure that what they try to do on that schedule is that when you play somebody, they're either both midweek games or both weekend games for purposes of setting up double headers with the men and the women. Right. And I get that concept, but I'm not sure why it turns around and mirrors itself one week apart. That that part a little bit strange to me. Also, uh, women shot a season-high 52% in that loss to Indiana Wesleyan. The issue is that Indiana Wesleyan made 21 three-pointers in that game. Yeah. yeah which is... I understand you guys are trying to put out the, the PR tweet, yeah. trying to spin zone it. But then when you saw the second half of that tweet saying 21 threes in a 103-56 to 56 game, it was yeah. like, huh. That was... Uh, I mean, Indiana Wesleyan is one of those schools that just reloads year after year with, hey, they found more people that can shoot. Yeah, not great. And it gets not great for everyone else, I should say. It's really fun to watch when you're not employed by the school they're playing. Yes. Um, And yeah, that that women's team gets a chance to come to Goshen on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's interesting because like I've never known anything different as far as Goshen's home gym. I'm a little bit too young to have been around when they played over in the Union. But um, road teams always talk about Goshen being a tough place to shoot. We'll see if it makes a difference for the Wildcats 
and then the pilots who come in for the second half of the U.S. Highway 20 Cup Series in men's and women's basketball. It's a big deal. Saturday at 1 and 3, and I'm trying to think. I know um, men's volleyball has another week here. They've got some preseason scrimmage action going later this week. Right, Um, and tracks on the – tracks got another at uh, PFW Saturday. Yep, another one that – you're going to a D1 school. There are going to be some schools there that are far deeper than you are, uh, mm-hmm. but that doesn't change the fact that you get to, I mean, you get to go in and compete well. And I don't know, uh, I'm guessing that Aaron Wolf talked about that a little bit in your interview. Uh, he'd also, I saw him in another interview on somewhere in the world of social media earlier this week, talking about um, his team being, I mean, yes, they're good, but they're not giving up on the chance to keep getting better either. And I thought yeah. that was really well put because quite frankly that's something that everybody in the world of sports can do whether you're number two in the state or whether you're number 102 in the state they they can't be content northwood and i yeah i think part of what helps them stay motivated is the two straight regional final losses the first one being in really heartbreaking thinking they won the game but then they didn't fashion last year just being out muscled by leo so i think there is that motivation, like, yes, we're good. We know we're good, but we we need to be great. Yeah. Because they've been a really good team the last two years. Yeah. Especially I'm, last year. Two years ago, they were good. They got hot at the end, and I think that, you know, they're kind of playing with house money. Yeah. Last year, I think they felt the pressure too much. Mm-hmm. This year, it feels like, okay, we know we're good. Let's take care of our business. They're not letting any of these little, for lack of a better term, little guys hang around with them. Right. They're squashing everyone that's below them. The only games that have been close have been the the big marquee games and Northridge. So, and Northridge is a good team. Right. And North Northwood Northridge is one of those games quite frankly where you can throw the records out the window. Right. That's a the good cliche. I love that one. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think Northwood is that St. Joe game tonight? Yes, Tuesday night and then Goshen Friday night. All right. So, and of course, that Northridge game tonight will be on TV. As, St. Joe. As far as uh, promotions go, you could say that one's a freebie. At St. Joe. Yes, that's a freebie. Yeah. Um, but you're welcome, yeah. Charles. I, I think mean, anyone he's still him way ahead of us in terms of career puns fit into sentences that do not need them. Do you think anyone calls him Charles? Um, I was going to say his mother maybe, but I think his dad's also named Charles. So yeah. Well, well, or well. We can figure that one out after the show. NFL, uh, you want to talk about national national sports? Yeah, we can do that. You, you got Australian Open tennis practice. Yeah, I was just. You're uh, a big Australian Open guy. Uh, well, it's on when there's nothing else on it. Honestly, yes, I was thinking of that too. I was like, man, this is perfect for when I don't want to go to bed at one a.m. Yeah, no, it's the same. I mean, it's the same reason you get into the French Open and Wimbledon over the summer because there's nothing op- nothing on. My favorite thing at about eight o'clock in the morning. My favorite thing about Wimbledon and the French Open in the summer is that it's content for the newspaper. Amen. Yeah. Um, and it's good. It's also content that ends by 4 p.m. Eastern. Yes. So I can get it in the newspaper. It's not you the get NBA. it in the newspaper as opposed to you guys used to be the less likely paper to have that in because you guys didn't publish until the afternoon. So it was yeah. day old news. Yeah. Um, but no, I think the Australian Open at this point is a good chance for the U.S. or for American tennis to be in the news for positive reasons. Right now, 
tennis tends to show up in the news because you do something like Alexander Zverev smashing his racket on the umpire's chair last year or Wimbledon changing its regulations about, you know, the proper amount of white you can have in your underpants, which is a really strange thing to have regulations about, but it's Wimbledon, so we do that. Mm. Um, Two American women in the top seven in the Australian Open draw, Jessica Pegula, the American number one, the number three seed. She's also the daughter of the guy that owns the Buffalo Bills. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Jessica Pegula taking on Alexandra Sasnovich of Belarus. I'm sorry, not officially of Belarus. They're competing under neutral flags right now. Uh, that'll be about nine o'clock tonight um, in in the Australian Open. But then Coco Goff and Emma Raducanu, who's the Wimbledon champion of a, or the U.S. Open champion of a couple years ago. That one's coming up in prime time. In its infinite, infinite wisdom, ESPN has stuck that one behind the uh, the ESPN Plus payroll. And when really? I say prime time, I mean that's prime time down under three a.m. Eastern time tomorrow morning. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, what what else could ESPN be airing at three a.m.? Like why infomercials? Yeah, Sports Center. Uh, the problem with when you fall asleep watching tennis and they put tennis on ESPN two is that then the next morning you wake up to Stephen A. Smith in first take. What? Which you wake up I, fairly quickly when you listen to Stephen A. I Smith say, in first take. Stephen, and then you, I want to take off. Well, I'm not. I'm not, I don't usually sleep with my shoes the, on, but I want to take off my shoe and throw it at the TV to make him stop the, talking. The, the first take Monday before Buccaneers Cowboys. I watched like the first thirty minutes of that. They were in Tampa, and that okay. was hilarious. I mean, yeah. obviously Michael Irvin there too, like. Going nuts about the Cowboys, Stephen A. Going nuts about the Cowboys as well, but for op- right. other reasons. I, I like if you don't if you don't take it seriously, it's incredibly entertaining. The issue with mm-hmm. like the other show with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp is like Skip thinks he's serious and knows what he's he thinks he gets these great points. I'll I think give you Skip, that he's serious. I think Skip says things on purpose. He there's no way he believes. Half the things. Right. This show is not fun. Stephen A is so wildly absurd that you could just like just enjoy the entertainment of it. It's like Barkley. It's like Barkley what? and Shaq on yes on the inside the NBA. You don't go to inside the NBA for the analysis that Shaq and Chuck and Kenny Smith have. You uh, go there to watch. Occasionally, you back into some analysis, right? But, but you go there to watch. Go there to watch their. Them tripping over people, they're racing to the the, to the board, right? Or uh, EJ's neato stat of the night, which doesn't have a sponsor because nobody would sponsor it, right? I, like, that one hits close to home over it's, here. It's it's like I, it's so silly. You don't go to, mm-hmm. you know. I've seen some people tweet critical things about Barkley, and they and it's like you don't go there to watch. Their points are ridiculous. Like, it sounds like me right now trying to make a point. Like they don't really make yeah. a point. It's coherent. Anyway, um, uh, tennis is cool. NFL playoffs ruled, by the yeah. way. Just one, shout out. one more NFL thing while we're on the tennis front. Um, the fun thing about the first week of Grand Slam tournaments is just the sheer volume of tennis involved. I mean, you had 128 singles matches over the last two days. Yesterday, three-hour delay because it was 97 degrees in Melbourne, and they decided that was not conducive have, to play on the outdoor courts. Have they talked about moving that from out of our January, which is summer down under? Uh, I, feel I like don't I saw think a story so, about because that. I think... The Australian, I mean, I think Australia likes having that niche on the tennis calendar where the entire sport pays it, attention to it them. It is weird. It's like... What I, I think the longer-term solution is not going to involve moving it on the calendar, but it's going to involve... I mean, they've already got three stadiums with retractable roofs, which is the most of any Grand Slam. They've got three more stadiums that 
that are built up enough that putting roofs on them would not be out of the question in the next 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, you basically have all of your singles, which is the moneymaker, inside except for the first couple days of the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like even if it was moved to like March, it could like, they're still the center of the world for tennis, but it's a little cooler. Okay. But then you just ticked off Indian Wells and Miami, which are the two biggest tournaments that are not Grand Slams, which currently occupy March, except that we're not paying attention to them because we are in Indiana and it's basketball season at that point. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I think the, the casual tennis fan, like I'm fairly casual. I only watch the majors. Right. I watch. And you don't watch the French Open because it's on Tennis Channel. I do have well does anyone have tennis channels I do I think I might I don't know maybe it's part of the um, package on YouTube TV I don't don't remember it's on NBC though it gets to NBC eventually I watch the finals yeah it's it's great to turn on that 7am and watch Nadal win again Um, also a couple of American men in the top 16 at the Australian Open yes Taylor Fritz number 8 beat somebody last night Taylor Fritz yes sound like you almost said Swift no, it is not. No, he's the he's the eight seed, not the thirteen seed, because um, that's Taylor Fritz or Taylor Swift's lucky number. He beat Nicolas Basilashvili of Georgia, not the one in the southeastern U.S. last night. Go dogs! That one took four sets. Novak Djokovic dropped a total of seven games to Roberto Carballes Baena of Spain. Yeah, that Djokovic stuff is fun. Yeah, he didn't get deported this year. Um, also, shout out to Jeremy Shardy of France, who is back on the tour after about a year and a half away with some health injuries. Uh, he picked up a win last night, and somebody else I was going to say, oh, Alexander Zverev, who, if you were watching the French Open last year, uh, did some serious rearrangement of his ankle at the end of the second set in what was shaping up to be about a seven-hour epic if it went the distance. Uh, he is the number 12 seed this year. And got past someone I have never heard of before, Juan Pablo Varias of Peru, who lost in qualifying and got in because somebody pulled out ahead of him. Hmm. Uh, then he took Zverev the distance on Margaret Cordarina last night. This is the most informed tennis talk we've ever had in this podcast history. I knew as soon as I put down Australian Open on the rundown that this was going to be your calling card. You're all over this, so I appreciate that. That's he, tonight's schedule on the show card. He puts out schedules. Short courts as I yeah. pulled up a piece of paper that you can't see on the audio-only podcast. Yeah. But I bet if you know where to look on Twitter tonight, I mean, I'll retweet it, uh, you can find the graphic. And it gets fun because there were 22 matches that did not finish yesterday. At at Team Miller 62? At T. Miller, 24-62. 24-62. Niles Kinnick was 24. Calvin Jones was 62. They both have their number retired somewhere in the Big Ten. Okay. I was wondering what the number came from. There you go. Yeah. Um. All right. NFL playoffs also happened. They did. Bad news for the Cowboys kicker. <sighs> Felt bad for him. Soon to be former Cowboys kicker. Thank God he made one at the end. My God, if he had gone 0 for 5, I actually would have like flown to Dallas and given him a hug. I'm like, dude, I am so sorry. Your expense account is that big? No. No, okay. I would have figured out a way, though. I would have got okay. there. Um, um, yeah, I feel bad for the guy, man. Because it took away from Dallas dominating the game. Right. They bad, killed Tampa. Bad I'm day sorry. for former pad, podcast co-host Evan Lee. I'm sorry, Evan. Was yeah. he there? He was there with his dad. Very sad. I mean, going um, with your dad to an NFL playoff game, not a bad way to spend a Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, the rest of the games were pretty good. I mean... How many times did Tom Brady throw the ball last night? 66. Plus, the two-point conversions don't count as pass attempts. So, 68. Which is not an NFL record. Yeah. Because Ben Roethlisberger threw it 68 times, plus three conversions. 
a couple years ago when they lost the Browns. Crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And you wonder why these games take approximately three weeks. The only one that was really long this week was Bill's Dolphins. I tweeted about that. I took a nap. <laughs> and I woke up and thought for sure the game would be over. We were just right. starting the... We were at the end of the third quarter. We haven't even started at, the fourth. We started the fourth quarter at 4.08 p.m. They had to move the Giants-Vikings game back. And then they and still they, started. They, they still started. Yeah, yeah ridiculous. Um, good matchups this weekend. Jaguars-Chiefs, uh, Bengals-Bills. A lot of emotions in that Bengals-Bills. Uh, yes. With Damar Hamlin, of course, right. uh, being only a month ago. Uh, and then Giants and Eagles. I can see the Giants winning that game. Um, and then... Cowboys at 49ers. Like an NFC East party, except the Niners crashed it in Washington. Well, they're the Washington football team, whatever they're called. Commanders. Uh, Commanders. They are not in the playoff picture at the moment. No. Uh, um, all right. I'm going to wrap up. Are you guys uh, yeah. I want to wrap this up. couple more things. Uh, talked about Illinois women's basketball last week. They've got IU coming to town Monday, Wednesday night. Big game. That was a four-point margin in IU's favor when they played at I can't say at Assembly it's Hall because they hall. were both Assembly Hall, except the one in Illinois the Simon, is now the, the Simon Scott Assembly Hall. The one in Illinois is now the State Farm Center, and I don't know anybody that calls it the State Farm Center. Anyway, that's a Wednesday night game, 8 o'clock. Uh, you can tune in there after you check out some action elsewhere in the area. Uh, also, cross-country semi-state. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah. Big news. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah. Um, so they got rid of... They just moved everything back a week, but they got rid of semi-state. So, sectional is the third Saturday of the month, and then semi-state or regional is fourth Saturday, state is the last Saturday. And there or were, if it's the first Saturday of yeah. November, whatever. Um, so, like this upcoming year, sectional is the 14th, regional 21st, state 28th. It's I, the same amount of rounds as track. Yeah. I think, I mean, I do think at this point there was kind of one round too many in the state tournament series. I'm right. not sure that the way that they went about it, I, I think they leave the door open for some further tweaking of the format in the future. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think the the biggest issue I noticed with people from the cross-country world was they didn't announce where the new assignments were, or they, they said they won't announce it till the summer, and that affects your scheduling for your invites during the year, where you want to run, how you want to right. run, when you want to run. So, were there 32 sectionals in the old setup? 16. 16 sections? No, I think there were 32 sectionals, 32? 16 yeah, regionals. Yeah, there were 32. Yeah. Um, so the reality is if you were hosting a sectional before, like your set of sectional courses isn't going to change that much, but who's in which one's going to change? Yeah. And the big change is you go from 16 regionals for semi-states down to five regionals. Yes. And, so, and how they're going to do that, it, the one constant about IHSIA decision-making is that somebody gets ticked off. Well, right. And everyone will think that they're going to favor the indie schools. So be ready for some sort of draw that... Okay. Believe it or not, the goal of the IHSIA is to do right by most of its schools. And given the population density map of Indiana, that ends up favoring the Circle City more than it does us. I'm sorry. Carmel is in the northern half of the state. Carmel is geographically in the northern half of the state. There's sorry. not a whole lot I can do about that. They're not the northern part. I've, I've said this for years. People confuse northern half with northern part. 
the they're way down get, the northern part of the state, but they're the northern half of right. the state. You gotta, so I'm sorry. When you're doing a, a single elimination tournament, you got to split the state in half somewhere, and they happen to be on the north side of that line. Yes. And that's still not as much fun as football, where you basically get, you have to cram 64 teams into eight, eight team sectionals somewhere or another. You're going to get somebody shoehorned into a strange place. Yes. I, yeah, whatever. Okay. Also, how do you feel about mustard as a donut filling? And that was a weird PA announcement at the game we were at on Thursday. Yeah, I don't mustard know. is underrated on hot dogs and vastly overrated as donut filling. Yeah, you know, honestly, half the time I'm 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 tuning you out. Not gonna lie. Oh, that's true. When we're sitting in the same room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But I that was a you know it's all right. Um. I was I was just focused on that game getting done. I was like, please let's, let's run this out. It's around yeah. the clock. The thing Shout about that the thing about that that was frustrating was they played half a JV game. But since it was senior night, they moved the JV start back so that senior night was about the right time. Yeah. Which meant that you get to, you got to have fun on deadline. Well, the game, the varsity game was done in an hour, literally. Like an hour right. and four minutes. So I was actually fine. I didn't Why were you timing that? Because it started around 7.30 and I remember oh. the game ending yeah. at 8.34. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I can sit through senior night and be yes. fine. Yes. And that, that was, I mean, senior night. As somebody who does senior night usually at the college level, um, where your senior night is, okay, what are my plans to go into the real world and be kind of a small fish in a big pond again? It is kind of fun to get back to high school senior night where people are going to college and they still have kind of big plans for what they're going to do next. Yep. Okay. We just did a Midwestern goodbye to end the podcast, I think. You going to stand up and or slap your legs and stand up now? What? That picked up. All right. <laughs> so, uh, that's this edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more sports, more podcasts, and more Goshen News Sports Podcasts. Yeah.